Hello everyone, and welcome to another beer review. Now, we're doing a keg today. Now, I bought these, I think I did one previously a good few weeks ago, but I got them as a deal, and I wasn't looking for kegs, but they just happened to come into my inbox in the email. I thought, all right, fine, fair enough, they're on sale. Give it a go. So, we're doing Polliner Hells. So it is. So it's a Munich Hellas lager and it's the kegs all wet. It's all over my bloody trousers. So I've already poured it. Here it is. Woohoo! Let's see what it smells like. Well, it's got plenty of grain, a little hint of malt, no hops at all, which for Hellas is usually quite normal. It's usually um, lacking in the hops or bitterness. So you're going to get more of a multi flavour to it. For a kind of lager, and it is a kind of lighter lager as well from that point of view. Now, I think this was roughly about £22 for the keg, which I suppose isn't bad um, in this day and age because prices are going up everywhere. So. Um, I'll work in the bases, anything I can get on sale, I'll go for it. Within reason, of course, if it's something that I either haven't tried or something that there's a good chance I'm going to like, then yeah, fair enough. If it's something I've had before and I think it's piss water, no matter how much it's on sale, I ain't going to buy it. So, there we go. So, yeah. Let's see what it's like. It's actually not bad actually. It's got quite a nice mouthfeel. There's a red and you spill in the back. As I'm pissing water everywhere, can you hear that? That's all the water coming off the thing. Now it's Polliner Munich Hellas. Now Polliner also does um, beer for the Munich Beer Festival, you know, the Oktoberfest. So it does that. Um, and of course they do obviously a, a festival beer. So they do that point of view but yeah apart from the water pissing everywhere um, it seems to be nothing really written on it well, they have it in Russian so they do. they've got quite a few different languages but it's just basically you know where it's brewed and how wonderful it is and brewed in Munich and all this kind of stuff but yeah I mean all that is in Russian. Well, quite a lot of the language is actually Russian, which is kind of strange. But yeah, it's 4.9%, and it was about 22 quid for a five-litre keg. And yeah, it tastes actually not too bad. It tastes more like a Hellas, whereas there's a slightly kind of lighter, I wouldn't say sweet aftertaste, but they're kind of lighter aftertaste. Doesn't have any kind of bitterness. Now Pilsner should have a bit more bitterness, a bit more hoppiness in the, the back end. But even then, I find that German Pilsners aren't as bitter as the Czech Pilsners. And of course, the Czech Pilsners is really the kind of the original, if you want to kind of look at it that way. So these are kind of lighter beers. 
compared to the Pilsners and they are very sexual, very easy drinking normally. Although I've had some bad Hellas over the years. Um, I think it was it Camden Hells that was quite a bad one. That was supposed to be a kind of a, a mixture between kind of Hellas and Pilsner. Which makes you wonder, what's the point? Because they're two kind of slightly different beers. Yeah, they might be a kind of similar kind of colour and they are kind of lager kind of style beers, but they actually are quite different in how they're kind of set up and what the flavour profile is. So by mixing them, I don't know, maybe Camden thought you were going to get the best of both worlds. Well, by adding a bitterness to it, then you're not going to have the Hellas. And if you're only having a bit of bitterness to it, then you're not really getting the Pilsner. So you weren't getting the best of both worlds. You were getting uh, none of the good stuff, basically. So it was just kind of daft. And I remember, it was a St. Austell Brewery. They did one as well. Now, what did they call that crap? And it was, it was far too fizzy. It was just, no, it was just dreadful. Um, now, what did they call it? Corlev or something like that, or Corev or something, some nonsense. But it was supposed to be a Hellas type kind of lager done by the also brewery down in Cornwall. It was dreadful. I've noticed they've now changed the packaging. The label's now changing that because obviously maybe it was getting such a, a bad kind of, uh, how would you say, reputation that people thought, well, we need to kind of change this and try to kind of use it up. So yeah, but this yeah, this is what a kind of hellish is supposed to be. Lighter, sessionable, lighter in the aftertaste, but still some nice grain profile, some nice light malt. But just doesn't have that kind of bitterness towards the end. It has a kind of a, a lightness to it. I'm not going to say sweetness, but it does have a bit of a lightness to it, which you would expect a kind of more bitter finish going by how it does. But we'll break down the flavours right now. Start off, getting a bit of grain, a bit of light malt, a little bit of sweetness. Move on to the mid-tongue. You've got the grain there, the malt's kind of slightly died down a bit. And again, you've got this nice underlying sweetness. Moves on to the kind of aftertaste, and the malt's just kind of tailing off. The grain starts to tail off, and you have this kind of lightness. I'd say the sweetness is slightly changes going from the mid-tongue to the aftertaste and it slightly kind of dies down it just gives this kind of slight lightness but in between all that there is that little bit of acidity there is that little bit of acidity what I sometimes refer to as a salsa it tastes like kind of like freshly chopped tomatoes or a bit like the the tomato sauce you get in Heinz baked beans that type of thing that kind of like slightly acidic kind of tomato-esque kind of uh accents and it is it's just actually to do with the acidity and yes you do get a bit of acidity with a hell's wagon and yeah as you can see very easy to drink and it's probably one of the few laggers that i quite like if it's done properly same with the pilsner if a pilsner's done properly then yeah i, I can like that as well but the problem is a lot of the how would you say the laggers that you get nowadays? They're very one-dimensional or they just feel like they're half-arsed. They really do. Whereas this, it, it does what it's supposed to do properly. 
and you can feel that it's done with a bit of care and attention. It's not trying to be something it's not. It's not trying to reinvent the wheel. Right, we're doing a Hellas Lager. What should a Hellas Lager be? It should be sessionable, easy drinking, should not have a bitter aftertaste, should not really be affected by hops, but it should be a lively beer, easy drinkable, nice mouthfeel, plenty of grain, plenty of light malt, and a little line sweetness. That's really what you're kind of looking for. And it does it. And that's it. Doesn't scream or shout, look at oh we're wonderful and put it in gaudy packaging or whatever. It's like, there you go. This is what it's supposed to be. This is what we're giving you. And I think that's a lesson for a lot of brewers. If you're doing this particular type of beer, is well look at what it should be as that particular style of beer and try and give that to your customer. Don't try and say, well, well, normally it should be like this, but we're so fucking special. We can do it like this, and you've got to love it because we say you should. You know, it's like, oh, fuck off. That's the problem with a lot of modern-day brewing is try and do the basics right. Try and make the best beer you can with the best quality ingredients. And if you can do that, then you're more likely to end up being a successful brewer. And you'll get a good reputation you will get the response you deserve. If you use good quality ingredients and show enough care and attention and brew a nice balanced beer, now there's a balanced thing. I was watching the Craft Brew channel and they were going about balance and they couldn't understand it. Well, how can you have a balanced beer if you have certain beers where there's an imbalance? Because the point of the case is always he couldn't quite understand that a balanced beer doesn't mean you have the yin and yang exactly the same, so you have the same bitterness, same sweetness, whatever. No, no, no. Balancedness is to basically having the right balance, whether it's imbalanced or balanced, to, how would you say, um, to deliver the flavour profile it's supposed to be. So if I was doing an IPA, I wouldn't look for a nice balance between the malt and the hops, it'd have to be an imbalance because there's got to be more hops than the malt. So it's got to be more prevalent, in other words, more hop forward. But if I'm doing a more kind of a, a better, then I would expect it the other way. I would expect it to be more malt forward. So the balance is, is to get the balance right for the flavour profile you're going for. But he couldn't really quite understand that. He felt in cases though it's like a seesaw or a... I don't know, Wayne scales it. There we go. That's the balance. So that's it. Every beer's got to be like that. No, because that means if every beer was like that, every beer would taste the fucking the same, idiot. You know what I mean? So I was just watching it thinking, you've really not really understood this. And he was slagging off brewers. Now, I'm not a big fan of brewers because you get a lot of shit. I mean, there's some good brewers out there. Of course there is. But you also get a lot of spill and a lot of bollocks from a lot of brewers, you know. And they hype themselves up or hype their brews up or God knows what else. But one of the major things I get with this is that, uh, how would you say? With brewers, they'll say there's got to be a balance. Now, the balance is as to what the recipe dictates. If I was doing an IPA, then I want a more hoppier beer. If I'm doing a kind of a bitter, then I want a more malt-forward beer. If I'm doing a kind of amber ale, again, you're getting more kind of malt forward, but you can obviously add a little bit more 
um, hops, they get more floralness and things like that. And it's all to do with the kind of recipe. But at the end of the day, you've got to have that malt. You've got to have the malt there as the underlying. But you can embellish it with the hops and everything else. But the whole point is that the balance is, is to have the right ratios of whatever to give the flavour profile of that particular style of beer. And that's what we call the balance. It's not that the case is though that everything has to be the exact same, you know, so if I can't have malt stronger than the hops and I can't have hops stronger than the malt. No, there is supposed to be imbalances because that's how you get different flavour profiles. But the balance is, is to get them working together. I wouldn't want, well, this is one of the good examples is probably with some of the kind of more craft beers that sometimes they don't get the balance right. And uh, it's too hoppy and not enough malt and it's just the cases of, well, it becomes sickening or sometimes it just becomes undrinkable from that point of view. Like I say, is less is more or just because you can doesn't mean you should. So it's that type of situation. So... When I was watching the craft beer channel when you was kind of looking at what makes a good beer, well, what makes a good beer is, first of all, good quality ingredients. That's the first thing. First and foremost is you've got to have the best quality ingredients. If you put shit ingredients in or cheap, nasty ingredients, you're going to get a cheap and nasty beer out of it. Secondly is process. You've got to have the, a, a regimented process. It's got to be strict. It's got to be structured. So your whole brewing process can't be slapdash it's got to really be on point it's got to be controlled and it's got to be done right and by doing that then again you give yourself a very good chance of getting a very good beer at the end of it so good structure in the process good quality ingredients and then of course you've got the recipe now nobody gets the recipe right first time you've got to do trial and error. And yeah, once you get the ratios right and everything else, that's what brings the balance in. So you get your ratios right, that's your balance. You've got the process right, that makes part of your balance. You've got good quality ingredients, again, that all makes up part of your balance. And at the end of the day, if you can do them three things right, then you've got a far better chance of getting a really good product at the end of it. And I'm not going to say it's simple, it isn't, because it does take time, it does take trial and error and everything else. And of course, you are working with natural ingredients and of course things can fluctuate and everything else, but you have to be on top of it. And that's where experience comes in as well, being experienced. Now, I'm looking at the point of view is that for any type of brewing, it all starts with a kind of a wort or a mash or whatever you want to call it. And it's the same situation because... I have a better, obviously, understanding from the kind of uh, whiskey side of it through the family. And the brewers and the whiskey distillers, they have to get that balance right. And it's very important and quality ingredients and everything else. And sometimes there is slightly deficiencies and you have to change things. A good example is deficiencies. Is why American beer is the way it is. Because the American of how would you say the kind of kind of standard American beer is based on beers like this German beers because up until a certain period the beers you got in America were very similar to the beers you got in the UK because they took that as the most kind of traditional they took their lead from the more kind of traditional beers coming from the UK because of course a lot of the 
initial pioneers to America were from the UK. But when you started to get a lot of German immigrants coming into America, then they wanted nice, clean, clear beer. And one of the things was, with the nice, kind of clean, clear beers, the barley you got in the Europe had a lower protein level, which allowed a clear, crisp beer. The problem is, you couldn't get that with American barley, because American barley that was grown was a higher protein strain and it made the beer kind of cloudy and that went against the grain with the kind of what the German kind of uh, immigrants wanted. They basically wanted a nice kind of German style, very clear, very crisp kind of beer, the 17 everything else. So what they had to do was they had to, to reduce the barley content because they couldn't change the barley. So they learned to add other things to it to kind of reduce the barley content. So they added rice and obviously uh, maize or corn. And that reduced the barley content, which then reduced the protein levels, which then got them the nice clear beer. But you lost some things in that kind of translation. So they got the kind of beer looking the way they wanted, but it was slightly different within its flavour profiles because of that. And uh, that was a kind of archetypal kind of American kind of beer. Now, of course, it's went on other kind of uh, environmental changes, some basically because of like prohibition and things like that. And the amount of brewers was reduced because of that and you had bigger, kind of stronger brewers that kind of uh, survived the kind of prohibition and then they brought out a light system which was supposed to be a kind of local area, kind of healthier beer and things like this and again because of bringing out light beers with a lot of calorific value then of course that also affected the flavours and things like that. So. It's that type of situation whereas sometimes you have to make sacrifices within the brewing structure. But the problem is though is you make sacrifices because you have to, not because you need to. If you make sacrifices because you want to increase profits, well, that's not good and justifiable, especially when you're trying to sell a quality product. And we've had this over the years with lots of different companies that have been bought over, brewers have been bought over and they're still producing the same beer but it's changed and it's not to the same standard or quality because cuts have been made to make it more profitable, to make it fit in with the portfolio of the existing kind of big conglomerate brewers. And that's why when it comes down to it, sometimes less is more, a good recipe, good quality ingredients and a proper structure to your brewing and it just works. And at the end of the day, this is a nice beer. It's not ridiculously pricey or whatever and that type of stuff. But yeah, it's a nice beer. It's better than what you can get in quite a lot of the cans and bottles with the name Lager on it or Hells or Hellas or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's a nice beer. So what would I give this out of 10? Well, uh, for the style of beer, it being a Lager and a Hellas and everything else, 
I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10 because it does what it says on the tin. It doesn't claim to be anything else. It doesn't claim to be reinventing the wheel. It's doing a Hellas Lager and it's done well. Now, if you don't like Hellas Lager or you don't like Lager in general, well, fine. You won't like this beer. But if you do like Lager and you want a good quality Lager, then this is a good quality Lager. Simple as that. Now, I've said before, Lager's not my first choice. I get quite bored with it and I can only drink a couple and things like that. And I would probably say even to this kind of extent, I could probably drink maybe three, two or three glasses and then I'd be wanting something else just to kind of change the flavour profile from that point of view. But out of them two or three glasses, would I enjoy it? Yeah, I would. I would enjoy it, appreciate it and, you know, revel in the kind of refreshment it's giving me. But then I'd want to move on to something else and have something different. But that's just my kind of drinking style. But it doesn't mean it's a case of because of that, that makes it a bad beer. So, yeah, it's a 7 out of 10. Would I recommend it? Yeah. Um, I don't know what the normal price is, but I think if you can get it closer to £20, £20, £21 for a 5 litre keg, then do so. I don't know what it's like in cans or bottles. I honestly don't know. It might be slightly different. It might be just the same. I don't know. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at you fancy a lager, then go for something that's actually can deliver and give you a decent product is the best for you. Stay away from the Carlings, the Fosters, anything with Budweiser on it. And uh, stick with some of the stuff. Although, if I'll be honest, I'm not the huge fan of German lager. Some of it I just find a bit overpowering or just not that great. But this is one of the ones that, yeah, it's nice, sessionable, drinkable. And just overall, just a nice pleasant to have a glass of. So, thanks for watching. Cheers. And bye for now.